0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. We're talking about, this afternoon, the knowledge of God. This is a bit of a touchy topic because... On one hand we have people that say god knows everything and on the other hand we have people that just completely disrespect god and i believe uh this this morning's lesson i believe we opened up a little bit of some truth we're going to get to find some middle ground now on god's character concerning his knowledge and hopefully we can we can balance some ideas now look at genesis chapter three verse number nine the bible says and the lord god called to Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Why is God asking, where art thou? If he knew where thou art. It's an interesting question, isn't it? Look at verse number 11. And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? God saying, look. Somebody told you that. I didn't. And he's asking that question. Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Why is God asking those questions if he already has the answer? Now, let's lay some qualifying groundwork. It is true that teachers do ask questions that they already have the answer to. Right. And we could say that that could very well be the case in Genesis chapter number three. I think I think you can make that argument pretty, pretty plainly. We'll also say this in the entire book of Job, you have God asking questions that the context clearly shows that God knows the answer. (laughs) He's asking it in that sort of way. So on the onset, when we're speaking of God's knowledge, just because God is asking a question, that doesn't necessarily mean he doesn't know the answer. If someone were to say God knows everything, we only have to point out one area in the Bible where God tells us he doesn't know something, and that would squash that argument. And the reason we have to talk about the knowledge of God, because the theological system of Calvinism is built upon the presupposition that you agree that God knows everything. You don't presuppose that, then you can easily break down their, uh, well, I don't believe it's doctrine, I believe it's a philosophy, because we're going to see from the Bible some things that God doesn't know. Now, that doesn't make him any less God. It doesn't make him any less powerful. I believe it makes him more powerful. Let's continue to move on to the book of Genesis to chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verse number 9. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? Why is God asking that? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? Why is God asking? Well, he already knows the answer. We'll keep reading. The voice of thy br- brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. God hears something. Some information goes up to God. The crying of the brother being slain, that information gets received by God, and now he has some additional information. Knowledge it doesn't make him any less God And he says And now art thou cursed from the earth Which hath opened up our mouth To receive thy brother's blood From, from thy hand God hears thy brother's blood Crieth unto me from the ground That phrase and he He goes and he checks it out Yep that's exactly what happened I don't believe God had a fixed determination. I believe a brother made a choice and somebody died. I know it's hard to sort out, but we keep going down this road. Well, God is just a fixed determination on everything. It really doesn't give me any compelling reason to want to make any choices. So just wait until, okay? Look at Genesis chapter number six, verse number seven. And uh, verse number five, and God saw, Genesis six, five, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every thought, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God saw something and it wasn't good. And now watch what he says. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. Because God's purpose for man was to not do that. And man went against God's purpose and plan and sin. And it grieved God and he repented of it. Now, not repent like you and I would repent of a sin we just did. But of the idea of, wow, really? You did that? You're that wicked? I didn't make you that way. Genesis chapter number 11. Genesis chapter number 11. Look at verse number 4. And they said... Go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the whole face of the earth. And the Lord and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men build it. If God is everywhere, why would he have to come down and see something if he wasn't there? It says he came down and he saw something because he wasn't there. He was up there and then he came down here and he saw this and then he got some knowledge about it. And we all know the story. Let's, Let's create some different languages to scatter some people. But if he already saw it, he wouldn't have to come down and see it. Make sense? Some pretty strong verses, in my opinion. Genesis chapter number 18. Genesis chapter number 18. Let's look at verse number 16. Bible says, and the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom. Abram went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because their sin is very grievous. I will go down now. It was according to the cry that went up. God heard that cry. And God came down. Is that what it says in verse 21? I will go down now and see. There would be no reason for him to come down if he was there anyway. And there would be no reason for him to say, Now I see, if he already saw it and had knowledge of it. He came down and he and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me. And if not, watch it, I will know. Your kids are out back. They're playing. You hear the cry of it. <laughs> nah, that couldn't have been the case. I know the brother couldn't have done this to sister in your mind. You know, right? But I heard the cry. Let me go out and see. Oh, you know what? Yep. He did it. He sure did. Now, I don't know if that's exactly how it went with God, but I do know he went from somewhere and came down somewhere else and saw something they didn't see before. Now he says, well, yep. Yeah, now I know it. God knows all of his ways. That's what God knows all the time. Look at Genesis 18, verse number 26. And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city. He's looking, he's searching. Look at verse 28. uh, In the middle of the verse, and he said, if I find there 40 and 5, I will not destroy He's looking, he's searching. If you already knew, why would he have to look? Why would he have to search? Genesis 22. Verse number 11. Genesis 22, 11. The angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. Why? For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Remember we said at the start of the message, just because a teacher asks a question, that doesn't mean the teacher doesn't know the answer. There's that element. But also, we do know that teachers do ask questions To put forth a test. To see what the outcome will be. Abraham tested. Abraham passed. Now I know. Now I know. God got some information. He didn't know that prior. I don't believe he did. It's also important to note while we say this. That God doesn't test according to evil. James chapter number one says. Let no man say when he is tempted. I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God will never test you, try you, tempt you with evil. That is not what his character is. That is not who God is. However, God does test and God does try. First Thessalonians 2 says, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God. Which trieth our hearts, God's going to try your heart, God's going to search your heart, God's going to test your heart. He does test, he does try. Um Watch this and uh, look at go, go to the first verse in Genesis 22. Are we still there? Watch what it says. And it came to pass after these things that God did what? Tempt Abraham. Not according to evil. That's not what God does. We looked at that in James. And He said to Abraham, and He said, "Behold, here I am." And so we know we know the story. And then look at verse number 12. It doesn't say, "I already knew what you would do." No, and he said, lay not thy hand upon thy lot, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know. Now he knows after the test and the try was given. It'd be pretty weird. If God set up a test like that and he already knew what the outcome would be. No, that test. Try his heart. Search his heart. Numbers 10. Numbers 10. Numbers 10. Real exciting book, Numbers. I like chapter 13 and 14. We're going to have to settle with chapter 10. Numbers 10, verse 33. And they departed from the Mount of the Lord three days journey, and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, that's God's presence, is with them. Went before them in the three days. That'd be nice to have that nowadays. Oh, wait, we've got the Holy Spirit within us. Isn't that great? <laughs> went before them in the three days journey to search out a resting place for them. Why? If it was already foreknown and foredetermined, and everything's a fixed determination, why? Why? I'm not telling. I'm asking. We see that there's a searching going on in Numbers chapter number ten. Go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number one, verse number thirty-three drop these verses down if you'd like but numbers uh, Deuteronomy 1 133 verse 32 yet in this thing did you not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in, in fire by night, to show you by what way you should go, and in the cloud by day. Why would he search out a place? I mean, if God's everywhere, you know what you can take from this passage? It's a looking forward to You can find a place of rest in a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to look forward to that. You need a resting place this afternoon? Find it in Christ. But isn't that interesting? If he's everywhere, why is he going to have to search out a resting place? Because it wasn't fixed. It's happening in real time. God's there guiding and directing them, of course. Look at Deuteronomy chapter number 8. This is an interesting one. Deuteronomy chapter number eight, all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, verse one, that ye may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Now shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee. And to prove thee, here it is, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. What did God do in the wilderness for 40 years? Folks, he tested them to find out what was in their hearts. God's going to try your heart and test your heart to find out some things about you. You know what he did in the wilderness with them? It was a test. It was a test. He tests, he tempts, not according to evil, but to find out what's in your heart. To find out some information does he doesn't know. Now, if he knew everything, why would he have to try your heart? Why would he have to search your heart or my heart? It doesn't make him less God. It doesn't make him less powerful. It makes up the definite characteristic of who God is. He knows all of his ways. Man has a choice to make. Second Samuel. Keep flipping forward. This is all in order. At least I think. Second Samuel chapter number six. Second Samuel, chapter six, verse number seven, or verse number six. Uh, And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And bad news, there's a lot of preaching in there about Uzzah we can't get to this afternoon. But we're going to get to this, verse number seven. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died. By the ark of God. Now it would seem a bit odd to me. That if God had a fixed determination. That this was going to happen. That he would get angry. Was he angry like a thousand years prior. Or a million years prior. And then. No. Uzzah made a dumb choice. And it angered the Lord. Because God does all of his ways. He doesn't know all of us' ways. He said, he, he, look, he made a choice. He did what he wasn't supposed to do. I mean, if he knew, and if he knew this in eternity past, I don't think the passage would say he'd be angry. I think he'd, he'd be like, yeah, I'm finally happy. I get to smite this guy. Pretty happy. But he didn't know in eternity. Aza made a choice, it angered God. When Aza made the choice, God had some more information and said, "Okay, it's time for you to die. I'll just worship God the way I want to." No, that's Aza worship. <laughs> I'll be for a different time, but you see that, as far as God's knowledge, he gained some additional insight. Go to first. Crocodiles. The Chronicles. First Chronicles. First, I knew one of the kids would correct that. Milani was looking at me like, what's that? If you can listen to vegetables that talk. <laughs> All right. First Chronicles. Chapter 28. First Chronicles 28. And verse number. Nine. This is a powerful verse. And now, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. Praise the Lord. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be find, found of thee. If thou forsake him, he will cast thee off for Ever, God must search individual hearts to know that individual's heart. And until he searches your heart, he does not have that information. But once he tries it, once he searches it, once he, then he knows. Then he knows. But he will search. God's foreknowledge doesn't tell him. What is in your heart? God's character is that he will search your heart and then his searching will reveal what is in your heart. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls this afternoon, what's in your heart? God's going to search it. And he's going to know some things. If you don't know him as your savior this afternoon, would be a great day to be known of God. Go to Second Chronicles and look at the 32nd chapter. Second Chronicles 32. 2 Chronicles 32. Look at verse 31. Second Chronicles 32, 31. How be it in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land, God left him to try him. Why is God trying him? The verse gives us the answer. That he might what? That he might know all that was in his heart. If it was a fixed, determinate foreknowledge of God, He would not have to try to find out what is in that heart. Fixed determinism is a fatalistic philosophy. It is not biblical doctrine. God tried to find out that he might know something. And that's how powerful God is. He can try your heart. He can search your heart. He can know my heart. Because he's God. He knows all of his ways. <laughs> As for us, sins, oh, he don't know what we're up to until what? He searches your heart and he will find out. Be sure your sin will find you out. Why? Because it was predetermined every single thing you were going to do? No. Because God searches and tries. And you go ahead and keep sinning. Your sin will find you out it'll either find you out and you open your eyes and you're in the depths of hell for eternity, immersed in fire. Don't allow that to happen. If you're not saved this afternoon, allow God to search your heart, try you, and come to the Savior, trust and obey Him. Repent. What you've been trusting in put your full faith and trust in Christ. Let's go to the book of Psalms. Go to the 14th chapter. This is the. Happy Atheist Day. April 1st. April Fool's Day. Psalms 14. Verse number 1. The fool hath said in his heart. There is no God. They are corruptible. They've done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Now, if he was everywhere again, why would he have to come down from heaven? Because we pray, Thou Father which art in heaven. Why would he have to see if he already had predetermined foreknowledge? No, he came down, he looked, and he got some information, and he said, yep, They're all about as abominable as I thought they were. But he came down, look and see if there were any that did understand. And he found out there isn't. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. That's verse number three. Now, you can preach that on the street. You can can talk to somebody one-on-one about that. Say, look, we can call God down right now. Matter of fact, why don't we go to Psalms 14 right now? And show them, look, God came down, and he searched, and he wanted to find somebody, and he couldn't find one. You know what that means? You're not that one. You're not that one, because they have all gone aside. Everybody needs the Savior. Go to Psalms 42. Psalms 42. verse. Pass over that one. How about Psalms 94? That's what I meant to say. Psalms 94. Psalms 94 verse number 9. He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, Shall he not see doesn't say always sees it simply means this verse shall he not see shall he not hear you know what that means your secrets are not hidden from God. My secrets are not hidden from God because you can't hide from God and you can't hide. None of us can hide. He's going to find you out. Psalms 139. Psalms 139. Look at verse number 7. Psalms thirty-nine, verse number 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. God the Father is in heaven. We know that. God, the son said, remember we talked about this morning, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. They ended up in a place where Jesus isn't. Okay, so let's try to reconcile this verse. Because you've got God in two places. What does that mean? Isn't that a tough verse? Let's see if we can reconcile in Ephesians 4. Go to Ephesians 4. David is, uh, we got something about David in in, Psalm 139. And now look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter number 4, look at verse number 8. Bible said, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first, where? Into the lower parts of the earth. He that descendeth is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. He was in both places. Jesus did descend into hell. You know what he did? He set captivity captive. He took those Old Testament saints, including David, Psalms 139, and paradise was then moved. And now they can go into the presence of God the Father after Christ shed his blood, because without the shedding of blood, you're not getting into the presence of God. (laughs) Not going to happen. They were in paradise in Abraham's bosom. And when Christ died, he did some things those three days and three nights. Now, nobody knows exactly. though. You know, all preachers think that they have it worked out. I think I've got it worked out. You can go and listen to that um, series on the the, the activity on those three days and three nights. But one of those activities was he went down, did some preaching. He had some keys. He's able to get through some bars and gates that uh, that, 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 that would be... Uh, allowing him to get into hell, it can't can't hold him, and then he set captivity captive, and David and all those Old Testament saints. Now, the blood's been shed on the mercy seat. Now, now they can be with God the Father in heaven, but not until then, not until. Psalms 27, 9. Let's well, I'll read it to you for the sake of time. Uh, David didn't believe God was everywhere because he said, Leave me not, neither forsake me. O God of my salvation. If God forsook you, would he be with you? He would not be with you. So he wouldn't be there. Do you have the indwelt Holy Spirit? Is God with you? You know where he is not? In the lost person that you're going to be witnessing to tomorrow. He is not there. God can't be everywhere because if he was, we wouldn't be witnessing. He's in you if you're saved. He's in me. I'm saved. But if I'm witnessing to somebody that's lost, I'm going to someone where God is not omnipresent. He's not there. Now he can be there because he can change that person. But I'm telling you, Jeremiah. Jeremiah the prophet. 8, Jeremiah 8. 21 right at the end, the second to the last verse in the chapter. Jeremiah 821 for the hurt of the daughter of my people and my hurt, I am black, astonishment, astonishment hath taken hold on me. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician? Why then is not the health daughter of my people free If it was a fixed indefinite foreknowledge of God, do you think any prophet of God would have had the emotion of astonishment? No, I just knew that was going to happen. It's just because God doesn't robotically program your every move. You've got to make a decision. He sent Jeremiah to those people so they would make different decisions. Jeremiah 15. Jeremiah 15. I know this is a meaty Bible study, but write these verses down. You'll study them and read them again on your own. But Jeremiah 15, verse 6 Thou hast forsaken me, saith the Lord. Thou art going backward. Therefore, I will stretch out my hand against thee and destroy thee. I am weary with repentance. There it is again, the Lord repenting. It doesn't seem to suggest to me a fixed determinism. Lord's repenting of what He don't want that. He wanted something else. Do you think God would end up doing something that he would regret? If it's fixed determinism, come on. People have choices. And it grieves the Lord when we do wrong. Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. Verse, verse number 10, Jeremiah 17, verse number 10. Here we go again. It says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. You, you know how we are, husbands. We, we Our minds are scattered half the time. But, I, you know, I come home and imagine this. You say to your wife. Honey, I know exactly where all my tools are in the garage. I know every exact fixed determinate spot they are. I know which ones are on the shelves. I know which ones are in the toolbox. And then the same breath you say to her, so I'm going to go in the garage and I'm going to start searching around for them. What? What are you talking about? wife would look at the husband and say, I don't think you're thinking straight. Because if you knew where every single tool was in your tool chest and you knew where everything was arranged in the garage, there would be no reason for you to have to go out there and search around for it. I'm telling you, the character of God is that he is going to search around in your heart. He's going to try your heart. He's going to tempt and test, not according to evil. But he is going to try and that's exactly what's going on because he knows all of his ways. What we are going to do is going to change choice by choice. Jeremiah 19. This is a powerful verse in the same idea. Verse number five. They have built. Oh boy, this is bad news. Verse four, because they have forsaken me and have estranged this place. And have burned incense in it unto other gods. Whom neither they nor their fathers have known. I'm telling you, young kid. You ever walk into a place and they got incense burning and lights are dim and dark. and Your mommy and daddy never raised you like that. Get out of that place. Because it's going to go south real quick. You weren't raised with that. You weren't taught that. I'm telling you, that principle's there. You don't see good Bible-believing Christians coming into a church house and having candles and incense being burned. You walk into a church that's got incense burning, walk out the front door. You walk in the front door, go out the back door. They have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal. You know how much child sacrificing is going on right now? You think it's more today? No. You just have social media news, truthers, whatever you want to call them, that are putting up more of the information. It's been going on since this day. We just know about it more, so we think we know it's happening more. It's always been happening. We just have more resources to find out about it. You think because you didn't find out about it, it wasn't happening? No, it was happening back then. It's always been happening. Pagan people. Burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings on the Baal. That's the abortion agenda right there in Jeremiah 19. They're all wicked people doing wicked things. You know what God said? Which I commanded not. Nor spake it. Neither came it into my mind. These people were so wicked that by the time God heard about it and the information got to him, God says, I would, I didn't even have that in my mind. You people are so wicked. It's not fixed determinism, folks. People make some awful wicked choices and God says, neither came it into my mind. That's halfway. That's three pages of notes. I've got six pages. We're going to pause here. I think we've gone far enough. I think you've got the point. I'd rather you go home. With some good information. Some good things to chew about. Rather than me overwhelming you. With another 45 minute. part of this. God. He's going to search your heart. And if you're lost. He's going to find out your heart's wicked. Because all of sin. You trust. You repent. And trust in Christ. He's going to give you his Holy Spirit. That dwells within you. Gives you a new heart. You're a new creature in Christ. And then you get to live
1: for Him. And as you're living
0: for Him. Guess what He's going to do? The Holy Spirit within you. Is going to convict your heart. But it's not fixed determinism folks. God finds out information. Because cries go up. He comes down in the sea. And He tries people's hearts. Gathers more information. God knows all of His ways. He has given us, created us, with the ability to make choices. Make the right choice. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.